up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. And the last word, Phil, does, it does kind of like pack a little bit of a punch just due to the green chartreuse. Okay, so chartreuse, uh, I know there's some lime in there. Green chartreuse. Is it gin? Green. Yes. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Yellow chartreuse is just a very, very different thing, Phil. But yes. Yeah, it's it's not the kind of chartreuse we would be talking about on this podcast. No. Well, unless you're talking about a naked and famous, which honestly, any mascal cocktail is fantastic. But yes, the the last word is uh, green chartreuse, gin, lime, and maraschino, maraschino, mara, cherry. I don't think I like mezcal as much as you, uh, but I've also never had it with the worm, and maybe I should. No, no, you're doing it right. You just maybe lack the taste, the sophisticated palate to appreciate the mezcal, Phil. Do you like, do you like... Uh, My salt and pepper isn't sophisticated uh, enough uh, for mezcal? Do you like Isle uh, scotches? Like when I say the word uh, Ardbeg, uh, how do you maybe? feel? I, I feel warm okay, and fuzzy. Because I can very much appreciate just very peaty scotch. So mezcal, I think, plays to those proclivities in my taste preferences. Nice vocab. So, anyway. Do you go through phases where you you like peaty scotches and then you just don't? Yeah, 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 I think so. And uh, honestly, it, it kind of depends. But I think this is going to sound weird. Lately, my bigger, my bigger, more global phases probably have to do with rye versus gin. So worldly. In terms of cocktails. Rye cocktails feel like winter and gin feel like summer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm on board with uh, that. What about fall? We just, oh, that, we just that, drink a that, bunch that of That falls into the... Kinder. No, no, no. I think, I think fall, like, kind of... It's cozy, spicy. So, obviously a rye. And spring is bright. I had some accumulation Legit. today. Have you had that beer? No, I thought you maybe had a medical problem. But, uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a winter IPA from New Belgium. Oh, and it is quite yeah. possibly the lightest drinking IPA I've ever had. Really? Huh. Like IPAs for me are not a wintry beer. No. You know, that's like a no. warm. Just just try. Oh, so good. Okay. Accumulation. Delicious. And that, Chris, is a perfect segue for what I wanted to talk about today. Is it almost like you planned it? Actually, it's not. The, the, there's no segue at all. You're going to hear this. going to be like, that's the worst segue. Uh, but it does make me ask, Chris, did you have your Wheaties this morning? No, Phil, I'm sorry. I don't know the last time I had Wheaties. Actually, we don't really eat cereal. If if I have breakfast, it's going to be oatmeal. But anyway, did you have yours, Do Phil? you know who? Yeah. Oh, obviously. You know who else had their Wheaties this morning? Uh, Putin? Our friend, Chris, in Orlando, because he's the one who sent me the idea for this episode. So he messages me a week so or so ago still after listens. listening. To, yeah, isn't that great? I had my doubts. I, I was feeling sad and beginning to wonder. So Chris listened to our episode on starchy water, on pasta water, why we should save it, and if you just so happen to get rid of it, how you can make it in a pinch. You know, fun little quick tip episode that came out 10 or so days ago. Yes. Or maybe a couple. When is this airing? I have no idea. Nevertheless, Chris sent us a question. Not not so much listener mail esque. So I'm not going to read this word for word, but he just said, "Hey man, about the starchy pasta water, 
Like, what, what even is the point? And so I wanted to ask you, Chris, this is co-host Chris now, transitioning. What's the point of starchy pasta water? What's, what's it even good for? And from there, maybe we'll have a discussion. See, Phil, here's the thing. This is, this is your episode. So I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder here. So maybe I'm not certain I have maybe any I thunder to Maybe I should ask you what, what is the point of the starchy pasta water? Well, you said you were the one that quite religiously saves it. I mean, you, you never drain it. You have it like tattooed on your wrist. Pretty much, yeah. It's a reminder for every time that I make pasta. Yeah. You, you actually do have a tattoo on your wrist. Do you want to tell us about that? It says save the water. And <laughs> obviously it's, it's for saving the pasta water or it's like a global, you know, save the earth thing. I don't know. And what language is the that? Water is, in, is it Gaelic? The water is endangered. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's the most uh, true to the earth language. So when we're talking about saving the water, Phil, it felt appropriate. Okay. Well, you're not playing along, so perhaps we should just move on. Uh, but you're grinning. I see that Phil. grin, and it's a, it's a joyful grin. Doesn't, doesn't the, the starch have a thickening effect? It does. Yep. It actually serves as a really helpful glue. Like vermicelli. In bringing your pasta together. Have you ever made pasta that it just like, it kind of like slithers around your plate? First of all, Especially Phil, once you put the sauce on. That sounds gross. Second of all, I don't think so. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe you had gluten-free pasta. Okay, have you ever actually had pasta? Because I'm pretty sure that happens to all of us. That's, that's just a word I don't think that I like, slither. Anyway, maybe. I, I, may, I can imagine it. I am envisioning you trying to eat your wiggling pasta. It serves as a glue. It serves as a thickening agent when making sauce. And it also adds a lot of flavor to your pasta. Yeah, the starch or the pasta Especially water in general. The pasta water. Like there, there is some flavor that gets wasted away when you just dump that. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Especially if you are salting your pasta water to the correct level of salinity. I was surprised at how much salt goes in water before you make pasta. You know, there's the saying, as salty as the Mediterranean. Is, it, is that really a saying? They say well, that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call it a saying, but it's like a rule of thumb, kind of. It's it's something oh, okay. that people adhere to. But then there's some people that like don't even, there are some people that don't believe that. But I, I can appreciate that. Actually, what I really like is, you know, when you have a pot of boiling water and you dump a bunch of salt in it and it like fizzes and you, never mind, I'm going to cut that. That's stupid. And that's just cool. But you also are a fan of salty, pre-salted butter. And I can't fault you for that because we're all different. Because it tastes better. It's our differences that make us whole. And some of us are just right and others are wrong. So it does introduce a lot of flavor, especially, Chris, have you ever have you ever used your pasta water, saved it, and then steamed rice with that water? No, I haven't. Yums. Well, <laughs> I think you have dinner plans later. All by your lonesome, <laughs> you're making rice. Don't I have there to make Chris. pasta first, though? Oh, yeah, I guess you know. Well, no, because you already saved it. Well, I save it for the pasta that I'm making, and I use it then. I don't save extra. Chris, there is one more attribute on why we should save our pasta water. And you're going to look at me through this little thumbnail screen, and you're going to say, Phil, that's a stretch. But what you really mean to say is, Phil, that's a starch. Because you can save your pasta water for health benefits. Because what is a starch, Chris? It is a main source of carbohydrates. And it's found in a lot of different things. Potatoes bread, obviously pasta, rice, cereal. So Chris, get yourself some french fries, put them in cereal, and go to town because the internet says they're good for you. Is that where the Wheaties thing comes in? That's where the Wheaties okay. things come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds horrible. I'm sorry, Phil. Are you a french fries guy? I enjoy french fries, yes. Not in my cereal. Yeah. Not with milk. I don't enjoy french fries with milk. That just sounds like a bad idea. 
French fries should be crisp, not soggy. And actually, I think waffle fries might be the best form of fries at this point in my life. Especially if they still have the skin on them. Yes. Because guess what, Chris? The skin is good for you. Oh. It's high in fiber. What about starch? Listen, though, there are some misnomers on starch. A lot of people think that starch is really fattening. And those people are dumb, D-U-M dumb, because gram for gram, they actually contain less than half the calories of fat. The only problem is that they're often cooked with fat. So I don't know, maybe the french fries thing is not such a good idea. What if you bake them? Like, you mean like potato wedges? Sure. Or are you actually like cutting your french fries the way a fast food joint would and then baking them? I've never done that. I don't know. You absolutely can, Phil. And there's a reason that restaurants slather absolutely everything in butter, including your steaks, because people like fat. But baked french fries aren't the worst thing in the world. You can still get them kind of crispy. Sure. All right. Not that I want to drag this on any further, but steak in a pan with butter. O-M-G. Yeah, you mentioned that at one point, and I still haven't gotten around to to giving that one a go. Probably because we actually don't eat a lot of red meat. That's not necessarily Again, by my choice. It's shaming. I like it. It's my wife. We mostly do fish and chicken. What about quail? Every other Water Tuesday. Fowl? That's on the opposite Tuesdays from the quail, obviously. Starches are also pretty high in fiber, particularly the whole grain starches. Again, Wheaties, Chris, but if you have a say in the matter, maybe go with the whole grain pasta because if you want good bowel health, it doesn't hurt. I don't know about I, I'm getting older. Okay. These are things that I have to consider. Citrical, ever heard of that? Yeah, me neither. Until now. My doc says I need it. So gotta keep those bones healthy, Phil. Fiber is important. It did you know that it also slows the release of energy into your blood? Again, yeah. Wheaties. That's that's how you get all your energy. That's well, how you go out and win Olympic gold. Okay. I guess it's uh, maybe one question is what type of fiber are you talking about? You're talking about like soluble fiber or insoluble? Because they're, they play a couple different roles, I thought. Do you want to talk about what those differences are? Because I don't know. Uh, we were actually just kind of looking this up the other day because Oliver's had a little bit of a constipation. Yeah, it's a real thing. So, you know, prunes are a staple of his diet. But we were kind of looking into whether or not, you know, different types of fiber might help or hurt him because there are some that help keep you regular and keep things moving along. And then there are some that help slow things down a little bit. And, and it kind of comes out. Mm, I might rephrase that. It <laughs> breaks down into two different categories, like soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. And the, the insoluble sort, I don't have a list in front of me of all the things that are kind of grouped under that. But, you know, it keeps things moving a little bit better. And the soluble are kind of maybe the types that you're talking about that help in slowing digestion a little bit and, and slowing the release of some of those nutrients and other good things. If you're not moving... You're moving backwards. Is that is that something that happens to you, Phil? That sounds like another medical problem. Oh, what do you think that would be? You're a doctor, I thought. This is a fun episode. You didn't expect this, I bet. All right. Well, Christopher, here's what I think about starch. I think it's delicious if it's done well, but the problem is it's often just kind of like left as maybe like the third wheel on your plate, you know? Like yeah, you, you'll, you'll I often see that. just have some rice or you'll often just have some mashed potatoes yes and mashed potatoes are delicious are. phil I, I think what it brings to mind for me is the idea that starch often gets relegated to the role of filler yeah it's kind of like uh it's like jv that's like b team that's like you know it's just kind of there because we don't have anything You're else describing that's good. my high school i wasn't that good at sports 
maybe because I didn't eat enough fiber. So I have this, I have this big idea. I have this, I have this vision for you and me and for all of our friends, which are the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this show. And I think I want to like bring forward that starch. If you're saying it's been relegated as the third wheel, maybe we'll delegated as the first hmm, not sure i know what nominated been saying in this nominated sure why not can you second that can you can we have a motion here i have this really big idea and it's spud night spud night spud night let's make an entire meal devoted to your spud and you can have a spud bar obviously you can have things like you know your basic cheeses cheddar probably is pretty common sour cream or greek yogurt if you're conscious about living. Uh, You can have some bacon, some chives. Those are all like some pretty obvious things. But Chris, did you know that having spud night is also a great way to introduce your leftovers? If you have some leftover meat, like, like roast beef or carnitas, heat those up in the broiler. We already know this. And then slap that on your spud. And I guarantee you, your kids are probably gonna like go to the moon or cure cancer or be on a Wheaties box. I just want to clarify. Because it's that fantastic. Yeah, I just want to clarify that when you say spud, you're talking about a potato, right? Yeah, was it not that obvious? What's the other kind? I'll leave that up to you, Phil. Spud Nick, he went to the moon, right? Or space. Sputnik? It can also be a great way to get your kids to eat their vegetables. Steamed broccoli, Brussels sprouts, steamed carrots. Put those on a spud. And it's just going to be fun, oh. you know? Because we need more fun in our lives. So that's my big idea. I thought you were going to say put those on the on a spud and then they'll be your bud. You, you, well, need, your you need to do a little jig with that. You're the rapper. Okay, I'll come up with something. I'll come up with something. So that's my big idea. I hope you latch on to it. I know you will because you're a good person. Spud night. Let's make spuds great again. First of all, I'm not sure that I approve of that slogan, but I like the idea, <laughs> Phil. I like it. And if uh, anybody wants to join us in Spud Night, you should send us a picture. Bill, where mm. might they send that? Tag us on Instagram at Dad's Kitchen Co. Send us an email. Hello at dadskitchenco.com. Or just use the hashtag Dad's Kitchen Cooks and we'll find it. And we'll find you. And together we will make America Great Britain again. Oh.